0: Hello and welcome. I am really excited today to bring you another interview from a service provider that I know, love, and respect. Um, I'm excited to have a conversation about how she can help support you and a bit about her journey so that we can get into like how we as small business owners manage our relationship with money. But before we jump into all of that, I want to introduce you to Simone Little. And Simone, I would love for you to start by telling the people who you are and what you do.
1: So hi, everybody. Thank you for listening and tuning in. My name is Simone Little, as Kila mentioned. Um, I am what I've coined the term to be an operations architect or also a fractional COO, chief operating officer. And so I help small businesses, specifically women-owned businesses, to be able to run their business efficiently and productively without burning out.
0: Now, quick question, because we talked about this offline, I'd love for you to give some insight as to the difference between operations and operating, because I know for me, when I hear COO, I'm like, oh, so you're going to handle all my systems and processes? And you were like, yeah, not exactly. Give us some insight as to what that
1: means. Yes, that's a great point. So... Um, When we think operations are our operations department in our business, they take a hold of kind of like the day-to-day of how your business is run from a organizational perspective as far as like SOP systems, processes, making sure like even sometimes tech-wise, making sure links work and their checks and balances as far as the way that the flow of the business works, right? That's what the operations department does. But a chief operating officer takes charge of how the entire business, all of your department's function, run, and they make it so it has the ability to run without the CEO being present in the day-to-day of the business. So it's not just departments that they're overseeing, it is the entire business that they're overseeing. And they will collaborate with someone like Keela, who is a CFO, to cross-collaborate to make sure that the mission that comes up from the CEO is dispersed amongst the entire team and the vision is cast and it is executed properly and on time. So you really are the right hand to the CEO. Yes, definitely.
0: Okay. And then who do you focus on? Like, who do you serve in your business? Um, I know we talk a lot about being specific about who we're the best for. Who
1: are your best clients? So I work really well with CEOs who have a mission-driven business. So if you are a CEO, and this sounds awful, but it's really true, who's just in this to try to make money, then most likely I'm not going to align with you. You have to have a mission based and driven organization. I enjoy working with women more than men, because I think integrally, I understand them more. I understand their thought process. And a lot of what I do is mindset shifting for my clients. So being able to provide that, knowing that I already understand some of the challenges are very important for me. And normally when we talk about money, usually this person is making no less than 500k a year to be able to work with someone like me.
0: And when you're at that level, you're at a much higher level in your business than just, I need somebody to your point to create SOPs for me. What are the common challenges that you see clients when they get to you that they're dealing with to need your services?
1: They are so burnt out. (laughs) They are extremely burnt out and they're burnt out because they're trying to communicate with several different people in their business. And they can't seem to get everybody on the same page, on their team, and they have all these amazing ideas, but can't seem to properly execute one of them because of the sheer load of running the day-to-day. They cannot think and be creative and try to run the day-to-day of the business, run the team and ensure that everything is working efficiently. They might have SOPs, but they don't have time to audit the SOPs. They don't have time to see if the SOPs work. They don't have time to look at their money They don't have time to look at KPIs to see if their marketing is working. They're just burnt out. They're wearing, they're not wearing the hats of execution, but they're wearing all the strategy hats and all the management hats in in their business.
0: So you serve a really specific population, which I think is important. Um, I also think it's funny, like we end up serving a lot more women than men, even though we don't put out there that we're mostly serving women. I'd say like 99% of our clients are women. I'm like, is that our branding? Is that me? Like, what is causing this? But same, I always feel really good to have a relationship that is based from like, yeah, some of this underlying stuff that we're not typically talking about. That's the why. And a lot of that comes with being a woman, being a black woman in this country of like, yeah, I, some of this is not about you following the rules. It's about you understanding why you think this way in the first place to end up getting assistance.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree with that. It's an attraction thing. It's like we attract the people sometimes who we're the most like and who we the best understand. And so I think for both of us, that both of us, that is what ends up happening. We attract the people who we understand the most and we end up serving them the best. So let's go backwards a little bit. Um, now that you know who you
0: serve and how you serve them, how did you get here? Like, what was your journey to help you to land in this specific situation at this specific time?
1: How much time you got? How much time we got, Keewa? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh gosh, it's been a it's been a, a journey that's been over a decade long. Um, so what surprises many people is my background. I started as an entrepreneur. Um, I have my own hair salon and I'm a natural hair specialist and I'm a certified makeup artist and that business has been up and going. And even before that, though, I'm a certified paralegal. Um and so what? I, was- <laughs> I didn't know that part. <laughs> Yeah, and, and legal assistant actually. So <laughs> I have some of that in my background too, just understanding, you know, just a little bit of legal ease. I'm I'm about a decade removed from it, but I still have been able to use a lot of it as I've been progressing in my career. Um yeah. I have that background to start, the entrepreneur side, the secretarial side, the legal side. Um, and after about, you know, eight years in the salon, I think, about eight years in the salon. I couldn't do it anymore with my children, and I had to figure something else out. Like I physically was in pain standing on my feet, being pregnant for both of my pregnancies, and after the second, oh, yeah. I was like, I, I can't do this. It's pain. It's literally causing me pain, um, and I have to figure out something else because even after the second kid is born, I don't want to spend all my time behind a chair, pulling 13-hour days behind a chair. Um, so at that point, my family, who are like my road dogs and my supporters, they said well you do all the administrative work in the salon, just do it for other people. And I was like, so brilliant. And that's what I did. (laughs) Dang. So I started off as a virtual assistant for people who are in the beauty-based industry. I didn't realize that along with the execution that I was giving them, I was giving them the strategy to grow their business and then executing on it. I didn't realize people did that just as a service. Like I'm thinking as a virtual assistant, you have to do both. We know now, you know, fast forward four or five years, that that's not the case. We don't have to do that. But VA work was still a bit new. So over time, I progressed to be uh, business managers for these organizations. um, And I've played most of the roles within the organizations as well. So about uh, maybe about two years ago, I decided I actually want to get paid for all this strategy that I'm giving people. And I studied and researched to understand what a CEO does, um, how it's crafted, what's needed in that understanding that with the coo they are who they are based upon the ceo that they support they say it is the most forgot how they phrased it but it is like really in the c-suite it's the most ambiguous role because it really morphs into who the ceo is versus being like all right you do this this and that no it changes depending on the partnership.
0: That's really interesting. I think about how customized but not customized our CFO services are. It's tailored to the business, but you know what you're getting out of a virtual CFO. There's kind of a very clear set of tasks and responsibilities, the specific things that we're going to advise on and the things that we're not. I imagine as a COO that, to your point, is amorphous based on what they're doing, who they're serving, what stage of business that they're in. It all looks different.
1: Yeah, yeah, it does. One thing I try to keep in mind is what you said earlier about knowing who you serve. So with me knowing who I serve, it does help me have some of that tailored nits to it. I know there are certain things that I don't want to do. Like I'm not your project manager. I'm not going to do that. There might be other fractional COOs who will do that, but I know that's not how I best serve a company. And I know with my target market to be very clear about that now that I know who I serve.
0: No, that absolutely makes sense. Okay, so now you've been doing this for a little while. Um, You know, we all start at the beginning of our journeys. When did you start making money in whatever kind of capacity that looks like for you, whether you started generating revenue or started getting a profit? When did you start making money? And what did it take
1: to get there? Right before I transitioned to becoming a COO, I was a virtual assistant and online business manager and social media manager. I did all of those things at the same time. Keela, I had 20 clients at one time.
0: That's not real. It's not a thing that you can keep doing.
1: It's not. My husband found the board that I was using when I was a VA the other day and had all my clients, all 20 of them written out with the tasks that I had for that week on it. It was a huge board. Oh so I told him, I said, don't throw that away. We're keeping that. That's like a testimony right there. But let me tell you, I was making money and I was profitable and I loved it. I was like, oh, my gosh, we have a savings account. Oh, my goodness. I mean, we're in the middle of the pandemic. We can't really go nowhere. However, if we wanted to, the opportunity was afforded to us. And that was a really, really great feeling. The thing is that I was burnt out, tired. And when did I have time to spend to my, spend with my family? That was the whole point of Doing this, mm. spending time with them, working eighty hours a week was just not sustainable. So although I was making money, I was profitable. My team was in shambles. I was in shambles. My family was like, "Who is mommy?" Although I'm home all day working from home, who is mommy? Um, right. But at that point, it was like, I'm doing great financially, but how can I? What shifts can I make to ensure that I can keep this up financially, but not burn out?
0: That's really important. And one of the things that we've really wanted to hone in on at Littlefish, which is this idea that like it's not just about the numbers. Like if you are not living the life you want to, running the business you want to. I mean, we talked about this um, before the podcast. You can make money like we can all make a $1, dollar, a hundred dollars. There is something that we know how to do that somebody will pay us for. But if it feels
1: miserable doing it, what's the point? Exactly. Exactly. That, and that's a really good point. It's like you can have money goals, but those money goals, they have to be done properly in order for you to get to the lifestyle goals. Like you can make money, but if your life is in shambles, does it really matter? Does the money really matter? No, it doesn't.
0: Um, okay. So as you're going through this process and in the midst of your journey, what challenges did you face in terms of tracking or taxes or accounting, just getting the financial side of your business in order?
1: You know, Keela, I'm still struggling, girl. Like, it's still a work in progress. (laughs) It's still a work. But, you know, one thing that I did, and I think this is really good. I changed accountants. The person Mm. who I had at the beginning of my entrepreneur journey helping me with just my taxes is not the person who I have now for the simple fact that all she cared about was that I get money back. And I'm like, I want to be extremely honest. I don't need nobody auditing, auditing me, flagging me. I don't need the IRS coming after me. I do not care about having to pay, you know, taxes. I don't care about getting a return because at least I've saved up enough money where I'm not counting on my return to do anything. Like, right. I, know I'm gonna have, I know I'm gonna have to pay out money. So that's one of the big shifts that I did that really helped me. So the first time I had to pay taxes, I was like, i will swallow this pill and I'm gonna pay it, right? And it was a reasonable amount. I paid it all at one time. But that next year I doubled, I'm probably almost tripled my income. And that tax bill was not, <laughs> it was not reasonable. No, no, ma'am. no, ma'am. no, ma'am. And so now I'm going into this, the stage, the stage where I'm like, I need to manage my, not manage my money. I need to manage my money better. I need to manage my money better. Absolutely. But I also need someone to actually create a tax strategy for me, which is something that yeah. I didn't think I'd ever need to say, but with the amount of money that I'm making now, it's not reasonable for, for me to say, Hey, IRS, here's all these G's. And I'm really looking out out here looking crazy. And so although I'm still learning how to properly manage my money on the day to day, I think just that being a light bulb, making that change, and then going through the stages of growing, hey, this person's not working, I need someone more high level, hey, I need more strategy, I need to now need to account for me needing someone to actually help me, you know, when you be, bundle together what we need to pay people, I realized that I need to pay someone to actually help me with that strategy versus it being fine and getting it done at the end of the year.
0: So I think that that's a really important point to speak about because, and we talk a lot about this a lot of entrepreneurs, when all of us start, the language always seems to be get a tax preparer and get a bookkeeper. And like, if you have these people that will take these tasks off of your plate, then you can focus on the other things. So a lot of entrepreneurs, when we get started, we talk about the bookkeeping and tax preparer and that's like the extent to your financial team. And so to your point, not really digging into like, I need ongoing strategy. I need somebody who's being proactive about this. Um, I think a lot of people don't really, realize that both bookkeeping and taxes are reactive we take everything that has already happened and then you know create financial reports for last month or create your tax return for last year if you're not doing the proactive work to get ahead of it there isn't you know tax strategy or financial strategy because it already happened like i can't do anything about what you made and spent last month because you already did it same thing with tax preparation
1: <laughs> Absolutely, and I'm laughing because it—I've seen it happen. Like some of these clients that I work with, um, they make way more money than I do. They make millions of dollars sometimes, and yet they're still doing that very reactive thing that you mentioned, Keila. I've been on calls with them having inner people who just aren't right to serve them financially, um, and they don't realize that. And I get on these calls, and I'm like, "No, no, no, no! What's the budget? I need to know the budget beforehand so we can make decisions." With the budget, because we're managing a $3 million portfolio, where's the budget? And I'm saying, oh, we'll just run the numbers after, you know, month and close. How? It's too
0: late. <laughs> we need to know now. After month and close, that month
1: is closed. Yes. And then, and then they find out, well, we need to make more money because we didn't account for all the expenses because there was no budget. We didn't, no department knew how much they needed to spend. That's really important.
0: (laughs) That's really important. I think if, you know, we're going to drop a lot of gems for y'all today, but if you take nothing else, take the idea that you need to look ahead, no matter how big or small your business is. I think a lot of us kind of come into entrepreneurship and the internet and the social media will have you thinking that it's always a grind and always a hustle. And so you're, you feel like you're constantly coming from behind to catch up. And the whole goal of you hiring help is that you can get ahead of that so that you don't feel like you're on a hamster Mm wheel. Okay. So Let's talk a bit about how that experience has led you to help your clients differently. Obviously, as a small woman-owned entrepreneurship firm, you are experiencing or have experienced a lot of the challenges that you are helping your clients to overcome, including money mindset and adjustments and all of those things. How were you able to connect that into what you do, knowing that, you know, the finances power everything that happens? How are you able to use that, your knowledge, your experience to really support your clients and what you ultimately do for them?
1: That's a great question. So I think about some of the most powerful moments in money conversations that I've had with my clients. I think we talked about earlier about us both kind of serving a specific demographic. I know for me, it's women and most of my clients are Black women. Icky feelings they typically have around money. Sometimes I struggle for them just to tell me what they're making. And I'm like, girl, I can't even, I can't even begin to do anything until I know what it looks like. Like I can't, or when we're having a bad month in a slump. I think some of my most impactful moments have been when we go through those ebbs and flows that happen in every business, no matter what level you're at, is being able to partner with my clients to have a transparent conversation about how they're feeling around what's happening in their company around money. So we could unpack that. So then we can make better decisions because what happens is that they end up making decisions about their money from a very emotionally tight place. And a lot of times those things are not best for what their business needs, but they don't have a sounding board. They don't have someone beside them, whether it's their COO, whether it's their CFO, they don't have anyone beside them to have those really transparent, open conversations with so they can work those things out and make good decisions for their business or someone who's been there already who can help them make good decisions. And so for me, I think that's, one way financially that I've really enjoyed like there are other ways but I think that's my favorite way I've enjoyed because I I see the transformation I've shed the tears with my clients I've cried with them they understand that I'm in this with them I'm not going to leave them behind we're going to figure this out if you got a money problem sis we got a money problem okay so we got to collectively figure this out so we can make better decisions and we can get past it Um, so I think that's like that's been my favorite way to work with my clients
0: No, I think that's awesome. And it really brings to mind for me a reminder that, we're all looking at finances, right? Like the underlying idea is that the money matters, but like you're looking for something different than we would. So we're setting up these foundations, we're talking about the future, but like you see the day-to-day. So you're able to say, oh, based on this budget, we need to do X, Y, and Z, but we gotta hire somebody to be able to do that because we can actually only do this many clients or this many projects. And the CFO is saying we need to do, you know, x amount of money we need to make ten thousand, but based on the amount of bandwidth we have we can only make eight what do we need to be doing to kind of set that up differently and i think that that i think a lot of people want an all-in-one and so they're like i have a finance Mm. person so i don't need a person to do this and we're not we're speaking about the same numbers but we're not speaking the same way about those Mm. numbers
1: I love that. That's powerful. We're speaking about the same numbers, but we're not speaking the same way about those numbers. That's absolutely right. I think that's really well put and eloquently said. And if more, you know, business owners, if they really took time to understand what that meant, they understand that you hire these experts to do very specific things because they're experts and they don't do what each other do. They might work together. They may align. They may think, you know, they may think have think tank brainstorming sections together, but they're looking for different things. Like I'm looking at, you might say, well, we need this amount of money. And I might go back and say, Keela said, we need this money, money to do X, Y, and Z. Either we get more clients, we don't have bandwidth, or we need to figure out, do market research. Are oh, our prices too low? Raise our price right. and understand how to communicate that to our clients effectively. So Lufish can be like, yes, now we have enough money to do X, Y, Z, what you wanted to do. And now no one on the team is burnt out at the same time because we had to take on more clients. We had to raise our price instead. Like there are a lot of different solutions to these money issues and it might be multi-layered, but working together, we can figure it out
0: so true. And that's another point that I want everybody to hear is that your team should be talking to each other, whether they're contracted, whether they're outsourced, whether they're employees, you got to figure out at what level each person is on every call. Cause none of us want to go back to corporate where we all know those meetings that could have been an email. But if you have a C-suite, if you have service providers that you have invited in and you need to make a decision and there, it requires different voices for that decision to be made. Y'all need to get in a room. I've seen a lot of times, where you know we'll get on a call and they're like well my COO said this and then we have to send back through telephone this like okay we'll tell them that these are the reports that we ran this is the plan that we came up with like just get us all on a call. And we ask for that. It's really important to us that it's collaborative because we want to all leave with the same expectations and in alignment. So all right, I had a conversation with you. You explained to me why the pricing is the way it is. I explained like what you're going to miss if you don't hit this, how much cash is going to have to come out. You were able to then have a conversation about like, well, we were thinking about hiring that person in October, but they need to come on faster. Like we can really have um, cohesive mastermind sessions about what the business can do, um, but you need all the people in one place to the extent that you can, whether that's your accountant and your operations person or your accountant and your team. If you need to kind of get some more information out, just making sure that the people that need to hear it are hearing it at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So- now you're serving clients at a very specific point, And I imagine that they're coming in at various stages of their business. Granted, most of them are more far along probably than a startup, but would love for you to give some insight when people are thinking about operations or operating tasks and they're in beginner, intermediate experience levels of business, how would you tell them to prioritize? So for each of those stages, where would you say that they need to be paying the most attention so that one, they can get the most bang for their book, but two, they're setting themselves up for success for
1: the next step in business? That's a really good question. Okay. Might have to ask me that again um, as I answer it. Let's start <laughs> with beginners. So if you're
0: just starting, you're like less than two years in business, where should you be focused?
1: Ooh, so you should be focused on one. You definitely need to be focused on your money so you can grow your team. So it's, it's almost twofold. A lot of times when they're at about their expertises, I, deal with, I feel like mostly creative problem solvers. They might not be creative and like making graphics, but creative problem solvers, right? Um, They have a very specific skill and expertise. They should be at the point where they know what their money looks like. So they know what they can offer it to somebody so they can get start to get back in their zone of genius because likely Mm -hmm. they've been wearing every hat in their business and likely they're like they're tired or they're just starting this, they're two years in and they they also have a corporate job and they're running this and so they're tired. Like I've seen, I've worked with both and seen it both ways. What's your money looking like so you can start to hire people? Period.
0: So now we're like two to five years. I've been doing this long enough that I got like a little more skin in the game, but I'm not quite as established as whatever that ends up meaning. What do you tell them to focus on there?
1: So typically there is actually how their businesses run um, in making it more efficient because that's typically where those blockers are coming in at that point. They're moving, they're working, things aren't always firing on all cylinders, but they're making money and they usually have money saved at this point too, right? Right but their, their team's not working efficiently because they don't know how they want to run their business and they haven't put enough thought into it. And after about a year of that, they're going to burn out. So at this point in time, the priority should be understanding what exactly each person in your business should be doing, how you want them to do it. You should start your accountability chart so, people, so there is a reporting structure and a report back structure to you or whoever's in that place, right? At that point, two to five, depending on how your numbers and your growth look, it might be time to start looking at your C-suite so you can really outsource some of that strategy that isn't in your zone of genius.
0: That is perfect. Um, I would imagine that a lot of people that are listening, a lot of people that end up coming to us are really in that middle part of like, it's more than I want to do, but I don't really know what I need yet. And so that was a really good, layout of where you should be focusing, what you should be thinking about. And again, I want to tell everybody here too, this is where your brain should be going. So nobody is saying that like by this point you should have hired X, Y and Z and done these things. Mm-hmm. You should be preparing to be able to get that because that is the next step to help your business grow, but I always tell people there's no shame here, there is no like Why aren't you doing it this way? That's not the point of this. The goal is that if you're in that space and trying to figure out where you should focus, because there are so many ways that our attention can be misdirected, here is where you can laser focus into one place that will give you the most impact based on where you are. Mm -hmm. Definitely, I agree. Okay, so now- your past five years, which for a small business is a really long time. Um, at this point, we're going to assume that at least you have some foundational standpoint of like what your business does, how much you charge. You've got a better sense of how things work. Little Fish is just now in year five. And I'm like, even as I'm explaining it, I'm like, we ain't there. Like, I feel like I'm tweaking <laughs> stuff every day. But let's assume for this example that you are relatively well-established you're hitting that um, 500k a year goal consistently how do their priorities change and what do you think that they should be focused on by the time they're ready to hire somebody like you
1: sustainability period across the board there's not a department specifically because everything needs to be sustainable at this point because if they've done it right they have ideas coming they're, they're flowing the next idea the next thing they want to do how they want to serve how they want to drive their mission forward how they want to execute their business all those things they're it's clear to them because they've done a lot of the foundational work they know the next thing they want to do but what you have has to be sustainable your money financially has to be sustainable your marketing has to be sustainable how your businesses run your operations has to be sustainable. The people who you have in your seat, even if the people change the positions themselves, they have to be sustainable. At this point, you are responsible for other people's livelihood. It has to be sustainable. And you as a CEO cannot burn out. You have to be sustained. Sustainability should be their priority.
0: I love that so much because as we said earlier, you can make the money But eventually, if you do not have some things in place that can hold without you, you can't grow, you can't get out, you can't take breaks, you can't go on vacation, like without that sustainability built in that says, this business doesn't need me the same way, all the things that you built it for, you don't even get to take advantage of. Mm -hmm.
1: You're a prisoner in your own business. That's what you end up being. Oh my gosh. I, I've been
0: there. So if y'all listening and you like, oh my gosh, I'm totally experiencing that, just know that uh Simone and I have experienced it too. So it's yep. not just
1: y'all. Am <laughs> I just talking about those 20 clients and 80 hour work weeks, y'all have been there? <laughs> Listen, listen, we have
0: all done some version of that when we had all these bookkeeping clients and I was like, you know, and I think that's another point too, when you have those 20 clients, when I had all those bookkeeping clients and like one VA that was supporting me, one, I can't give you the service that I want to give you because it's me. So if you want me to do all these books and do all these things and take... I can't also have weekly calls with you or monthly calls with you to go over that. I don't have the capacity to be able to do that. And two, we can't get out of the task to the analysis. When there are 20, 50, 100 people You're just trying to get the work out of the way. And so I say that both of us running companies where we take fewer clients, more high touch, very specific strategy and proactivity that we want to do in advance. I want that for everybody who's listening to think about the fact that the more people you take, the further you are from that, because it's just really hard to be a solopreneur. It's really hard to have to make more money by taking more clients because you're a human being and not a robot. And eventually, you're going to run out of time to catch up with that money. Mm
1: -hmm. And can I add that if you're going through that right now and your listeners is like, Ooh, my edges are snatched. It's okay. I'm still recuperating from my edges being snatched on the regular basis for various things. (laughs) (laughs) I, what I had to do, I'm not saying that you have to do this, but what I had to do is I literally went on a sabbatical for six weeks to realign myself after doing that craziness with 20 clients and 80 hours a week, because I could not think about what I even wanted from my business. How can you think about what, why you started this business? How can you think about your mission and your vision? How can you think about the next million dollar idea that you have? You can't think when you're working like that. It's impossible so you have to find space in your own respective way to give yourself enough leeway to be able to think about what the next thing is that you really want to do or what do you really want to be doing right now and create a plan to do that. Do that. If you're f- financially can't hire, you know, a strategist of some sort, talk to some of your business friends and, and see if what they say can help uh, birth some ideas for you on your own, but take the time that you can take, figure that part out to step back for even if it's just a day a week and really realign yourself to exactly what it is you need put away the phone put away insta and, so, and really think about what where you want to be and the steps you can take to get there
0: so because of that sabbatical
1: and the work that you do
0: you do the work that you do in a really specific way and a way that I'm really inspired by and love seeing what you're doing for your clients i would love to know from your perspective What makes you feel different in the ways that you show up for clients? Like, what is your why? Why do you serve who you serve in the way that you do it? I'm
1: actually trying not to cry. so that's why I hesitated. (laughs) Because I've not only have I've I've seen the burnout, I've seen the struggle. I've seen the divorce from my client's perspective. And just to burnout out from my own perspective, I've seen broken relationships. I've seen so many clients burn out. I've seen so many women burn out. Not even my clients, just people in my sphere burn out, give up, yep. get tired, sacrifice everything they have for it to still not work out. I've seen them not get any, I've seen them get sick and land in the hospital because they're so stressed out about work and they work in too many hours and things aren't working and they're just all over the place. I've seen it. And I've been through some of that myself. And I don't want that for anybody else. I'm constantly keeping an eye on myself to make sure I don't get there. My clients keep an eye on me to make sure I don't get there. I keep an eye on them to make sure that they don't get there. So I think what makes me different is that my clients are, they're, they're more than just my clients. Like, I care about them on such a deep level. It... <laughs> My clients have, they've went through difficult things, loss of church. Like they'll call me in the middle of anything and they'll just cry. Even this morning, a client, we were trying to have a, a, our weekly call. And I was like, no, we can't do this. What's on your mind? Talk to me. Just having stuff happening at home. It had nothing to do with the business, but that call that we had, that's what we did. We talked through the issues she was having at home so she could focus on work. You're a safe space. Thank you for putting that so eloquently. Yes, I would like to think so.
0: No, I love that. I I think a lot about the way that we show up similarly. And I appreciate that you're in that space to be able to give it because women, Black women especially, don't have a lot of soft, but soft places to land. And so to be able to be that for them in the midst of entrepreneurship, which tests us in ways that I don't think most of us even knew that we were going to have to be tested for to be able to be like, but you good here like means the world to people. So I appreciate you. I know your clients appreciate you. I'm glad that you were here to share this time with us today. Before we end, would love to know what recommendation or advice, one piece would you give to aspiring or new entrepreneurs?
1: One piece of advice that I would give to small or aspiring entrepreneurs is to cast your vision and keep it before you at all times and no matter what that's what I would say because things are going to get hard they're going to get tough they're going you're going to feel like you're going to want to quit you're going to feel like you can't do it you're going to feel like does everybody hate me is the world against me is everybody on social media a fraud you're going to go through highs like this is the best thing ever everyone should do this I'm I'm advocating entrepreneurship you're going to go through all those highs and all those laws What's going to keep you focused, motivated and going is that vision, that why. When I say keep it before you, I don't mean think about it. I mean, write it on a piece of paper and like literally put it in front of you.
0: I love that. I'll be taking that advice uh, this afternoon as well. So y'all follow that. So Simone, thank you so much for spending this time with us today. Thank you so much for all the gems that you've dropped. We're definitely going to put contact information for you in the show notes, but tell the people where they can find you and what you'd like to direct them to if they're ready to work with you.
1: Yes. Yeah, so you can find me. My website is www.thesimonelittle.com. Super simple. Um, or my IG page is at the uh, drop me a DM. I reply to all my DMs. I love having organic conversations with people. Uh, in the DMs, it's like my little piece of joy. Um, and if you want to work with me, I would. I have a couple different ways you can. If you are a beginning uh, CEO, CEO in the making, and you're trying to figure out how you can do this, and you have a lot going on, uh, please check out my productivity power sessions. It's built for you to operate in in energy alignment within your business. And it, I have an add-on called milestone mapping where you can cash your vision for your for your business as well, figure out what it looks like to achieve that. If you're a little more intermediate, operations audit, I go through all five uh, areas of your business, CEO, team, finances, sales and marketing, um, and operations for us to figure out what the thing is that you need to do right now to get to that place that you wanna be in a year. So I think those two things, depending on where you are, would be would be great.
0: Yay. Well, thank you so much again. I so appreciate it. I learned a lot today. I know that our listeners took a lot from it. We'll make sure that all of your your contact details are in the show notes so that people can get to you. We'll be talking in the DMs afterwards too, but thank you so much for joining us.
1: And I want to say thank you to Keila because I, you know, if you guys are listening, I've been following Keila for a long time um, and I've been like, oh my God, I love her. She's so cool. So- <laughs> I'm like really honored and, you know, I'm I'm fangirling a little bit, to be honest with you, because I so admire you and what you do and how you serve in the voice and what you serve it in. And just I cannot thank you enough for allowing me to share your platform and just to be here. And I truly mean that from the bottom of my heart.
0: Listen, we got to get off here before we both be in tears (laughs) because one thing I am always here for is Black women hyping each other up. So thank you so much for seeing us and for seeing all the things that I do and all the things that I work towards. Um, I'm excited for the future partnerships that we will have in our similar client bases and our friendship and our businesses. Like it's, you know, to the moon from here. Thank you for joining us today. If you like what you heard, I've got good news for you. We're supporting you all over the internet. Check out our Instagram at littlefishaccounting or our website, littlefishaccounting.com for guidance, resources, and ways to work with us. Plus, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to make sure that you don't miss a future episode. See you next time.